Jeremiah chapter 29 tonight, I want you to look at your Bible and I'll, I'll give, share, share a thought with you. <clears throat> Verse number one says this. Uh, it says, now these are the words of the letter that came, or excuse me, that Jeremiah the prophet sent from where? Where did he send it from? Jerusalem. <clears throat> and it says, under the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to the, all the people from Nebuchadnezzar, whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to where? So Jeremiah is writing this letter. He's writing the letter from Jerusalem. He's sending it to Babylon. And let's just pick it up. Uh, see here. What's the last word in verse number three? Okay, so it took you a long time to say the word saying, okay? It's verse number three, the last word. You probably had a hard time finding the last word, all right? Uh, I didn't want to read all those hard names. That's why we went to the, just the last word, verse number three. In verse number four, we find out what the letter said, all right? <clears throat> so this is a letter from who? <laughs> This is going to be a long night, I can see right now, all right? <clears throat> Who's the letter coming from? Jeremiah, where's he at when he writes it? Where's he writing it to? All right, to Babylon, very good. And the people in Babylon, I, I read in the verse number one, is the people that he's writing to is the priests, the prophets, and all the people. All right, let's pick it up now in verse um, number uh, four. Thus saith the Lord, verse four, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. <clears throat> he said, Build ye houses, and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there, and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city. Talking about the city of Babylon. Seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. God's the one that caused them to be carried away captives. He said, and pray unto the Lord for, for it, for Babylon, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you, the ones that were in Babylon, the prophets and diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, uh, neither hearken to your dreams which ye caused to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord, for thus saith the Lord, that after how long? Seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place, this place being Jerusalem. Verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, God speaking to the captives in Babylon, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you and what? Expected end. Now God says, I've got an expected end for you, verse 12, then shall you call unto me and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. All right, let me pray briefly. Father, I want to say thank you again for letting us be in church tonight. Again, we just ask that the Holy Spirit would have its, His way in our heart, my heart, their heart uh, tonight. And Lord, help us. Help us in understanding the Scripture. Open our eyes of understanding. Lord, use your word in our hearts and life. Help each person tonight, those who might be tired, those who might be carrying a burden, those who might have other thoughts and decisions that they need to make. Lord, would you please, again, um, give what only you can, peace and direction and help. Now, Father, bless your people in a real way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, church family, let's, uh, let's kind of just make sure we got the story in mind tonight. I want to just teach a quick thought tonight. Jeremiah is, is in Jerusalem. This side over here is going to be Jerusalem, all right? <clears throat> this is the side that's not right with God, that's disobeying God, that's being disobedient, not doing what the Bible, what God wanted. King Zedekiah is your king, and he's telling you to do all kinds of things contrary to what God wants you to do. You're a very sinful people. How do you feel? Sinful, all right? So Jeremiah is the prophet, we call the weeping prophet, that's preaching to those in Jerusalem saying, listen, you better get it right with God or you're going to go into captivity like your brethren did. All right? You can't just keep living the way you're going to do and do your own thing and disobey God when it comes to the Sabbath and taking care of your neighbor and stop blending upon usury and committing immorality and serving graven images. He says, you need to stop doing those things because the same thing's going to happen to you that happened to them. All right? Of course, they didn't listen. 
But think about this. God's man, Jeremiah, was not just sent to those in Jerusalem. He was also sent to those Jews that were taken away into captivity in the first captivity. They were taken away to Babylon. Now, you two groups over here, you're going to be Babylon tonight. You're the, I'm not Babylon. You're the Jewish Jews that were taken into captivity in Babylon. Now, by the way, you're in a better situation than these folks over here. Because these folks over here are going to be under siege. Nebuchadnezzar is going to come, put a siege around them, and they're going to get so poor inside the walls that they're going to be eating their own children. And then obviously they're going to be taken to captivity, but most of them are going to die by the sword and by famine and by pestilence and all that's going to happen. Whereas you all were taken captivity, and yes, you're captives, but that's why Jeremiah writes this letter. Build you houses, plant you gardens, have your children marry, pray for the peace of the city, because as long as they've got peace, you're going to have peace. So you're doing a whole lot better off than this group over here. Say amen. amen. All right. Just look at this group and say, I am so much better off than that group over there. All right. So you're doing much better. So what Jeremiah does, he writes this letter, all right? He sits down, God tells him exactly what to write. It takes four months to get to Babylon, from Jerusalem to Babylon. It went by carrier. You can see it in verses 1, 2, and 3. Actually, kings, it's funny because King Zedekiah was sending a letter to the, to the king of Babylon, and Jeremiah puts his letter in with it, all right? So his letter uh, makes its way over uh, to Babylon. It comes here. It takes four months to get over here. He gets, the letter gets over there. And the Bible says the letter is read to the people. Now, talking about those who were Jews, and the letter was read. We read it a moment ago. What did the letter say? The letter said, build houses, plant gardens, have your children marry, pray for the peace of that city, and you'll have peace also. That's what the letter said. But there were people that were captives that didn't like it. And guess who they were? They were the false prophets. They were what were called prophets and diviners, and they didn't like it. So they got critical of Jeremiah. They said, Jeremiah doesn't know what he's talking about. Is Jeremiah in Babylon or is Jeremiah in Jerusalem? He's in Jerusalem. And these, pro these prophets over here, they don't like Jeremiah. Because these prophets over here, they're prophesying falsely. You know what these prophets are saying? This is only going to last two years. In two years, we're all going to go back to where we came from. We're all going to go back to our home country of Jerusalem. And that's not what God said. How many years did God say that the captivity was going to last? It's going to last 70 years. So they didn't like what Jeremiah had to say. Now, I want you to, here's the verse I want you to notice tonight. And here's, what, here's the thought. In verse number 8, look back at your Bible here. In verse 8, he says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken. Now listen, here's what Jeremiah was saying under the inspiration of God. He said, listen, there's prophets over here that call themselves men of God that are telling you that in two years, you're going to, it's the previous chapter, by the way. He says that these prophets are telling you that in two years, you're going to be out of captivity. And Jeremiah says, don't listen to them. They're prophesying falsely without telling you the truth. But then Jeremiah makes a statement, and this is the message that I want to preach on for a few moments tonight. In verse number 8, look at the last phrase, verse number 8. He says, yes, don't let them deceive you, don't, don't hearken to them. Now here's what he says. Neither hearken to your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. Now, I want to preach a message tonight on this thought tonight, you're dreaming, all right? Because <laughs> that's exactly what Jeremiah said. He said in the last phrase, now I'm, gonna, I'm looking over here tonight. Because you're the group that's in Babylon. You're the group that's in captivity. Jeremiah writes this letter, and when he sends the letter, he says, listen, you're dreaming dreams that you're causing to be dreamed. Now, here's what he's trying to say. Let's say it in our own English vernacular, I guess you'd say. Let's say it this way. Wishful thinking will... Okay, you've never heard that statement before? Wishful thinking will get you nowhere. How many's never heard that statement before? Yes, you did. I just said it, all right? Wishful thinking will get you... I'm, I'm growing up... I don't, know, I don't know if mom said that all the time. Mom said a lot of things online. Some of that stuff I can't tell you what mom said. But anyway, <laughs> wishful thinking will get you nowhere. All right. So what he was trying to say is, is that these dreams that you're dreaming of going back and being in Jerusalem in two years, it's not going to happen. You're causing those dreams to happen. 
He says, listen, you're dreaming when it... I, I know it's funny, I know it's, and it's interesting to me uh, as far as the message for tonight, but I had a dream last night, and I'm not lying. This is not just something I'm making up. I'm just letting you know, all right? So last night, we all understand that dreams do not make sense. We all understand that some things are pretty wild in dreams. Okay, so I'm going to tell you my dream. I have no idea if there's a meaning behind the dream. If there's a meaning behind the dream, come tell me later. All right, I don't know what the dream is, see? But last night, I'm sleeping. And I, you know, I don't know what time it is, but I'm sleeping. And I had this dream, all right? There was a friend of mine. To be honest with you, I knew he was a friend, but I don't even know who the friend was, okay? But it's a dream. I don't know what to tell you, okay? So there's a friend. This friend of mine... Apparently, I must have liked him a lot. He was a friend of mine. There was, uh, was, we were both in the army together. I'm not making this up. I'm telling you the truth. I know you're looking at me kind of funny, okay? This is just a crazy dream. This happened last night. So there's a, three or four of us, and we're inside this vehicle, and we're in our army, uh, army outfits and everything. And all of a sudden, a sniper from the, from the bush shot my friend. Oh, it was nerve-wracking. You ever had a dream that kind of just nerves you? That's how I felt last night. I shot him right in the stomach, all right? I didn't read this in a book. This is my dream. I'm just telling you, okay? Shot him right in the stomach. He comes over. He's still alive. Oh, and I am so mad. Somebody just shot. And I, don't, I don't understand. But in my dream, they didn't make much sense. But in my dream, I knew who the person was, but I didn't know what the person's name was. But I knew that I'd seen a picture of the person who shot my friend that's shooting from a bush that I can't see behind a bush. But in my dream, I know who the guy is because I've seen a picture of him. Now, I have never had this happen before, but in my dream, I am going through pictures on a tablet trying to find the picture of the person who just shot my friend so that we can arrest the person that, that shot my friend. And something inside of me said, you cannot wake up because you have not found the picture yet. <laughs> now, I know you think I'm lying. But I am telling you the truth that in my mind, I knew it was time for me to get up this morning, but I said, I can't get up. I got to find that picture. <laughs> I've never had anything like that happen to me in my life. And I didn't find the picture. It was terrible. Now, I don't know if the guy died or not. The dream was over. I don't know. After that, I don't know what happened. So if there's a meaning behind the dream, come tell me, all right? Now, tonight, what I'm trying to get you to see is this, is that sometimes we have dreams, and those dreams don't even make sense. But sometimes we have dreams, and, and not that we plan them, but we have dreams of what we want, or something that we wish, that, that wish could happen. We Sometimes a person dreams about going somewhere that they've never been to before, a Hawaii or some foreign country. Or sometimes a person has a dream of, what, uh, of maybe being in the military or doing something they've never done before. So Jeremiah is writing this letter and says, listen, you're having dreams, but the dreams you're causing to be dreamed. And they're not going to come to pass because you are not going to go back to Jerusalem in two years because you're going to stay there for 70 years because that's what God said is going to happen. Are we all together so far tonight? Now, in this passage here, I find that there are three things that's mentioned in this passage that really is what they were dreaming. In other words, it was not going to happen, but they thought, <coughs> they thought oh, it's going to happen. But God, but God said, hey, listen, you're causing those dreams to be dreamed. And just because you dream it doesn't mean it's going to happen. All right. How many is glad that all of your dreams do not come true? <coughs> Man, I tell you what, I'm going to tell you some dreams are awful crazy. We're glad they all don't come through. Quickly, let me just point things out to you. Look at verse your Bible now. Let's pick it up again in verse number 10. For thus saith the Lord, verse 10, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you. Verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think, God speaking to, to the ones that were in captivity, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, uh, thoughts of peace. Verse 12, then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Now I like verse number 13. 
it's kind of the, the, the first thought, but let's read it out loud. Verse 13 together. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Hey, isn't that a good promise? That's just not a statement. That's a good promise. He says, hey, listen, if you look for me, you're going to find me. Here, look, I want you to read the next verse in verse number 14. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. What's that place that God said, I'm going to let you return to? What's the place? Jerusalem. All right, so he's writing to the church, I'm sorry, he's writing to those that were in captive in Babylon. He says, I know Jerusalem's your home. I know you want to go there. And I know you think that you're going to go there in two years, but I want to tell you those are dreams that you're dreaming. That's not, what, that's not a reality. And he, and he goes on in the next statement and says, listen, what causes the reality is when you come to a place where you seek me with all your heart, guess what? You're going to be found of me. Now, can I just tell you, and if I can I just put the scriptures together in the context of this passage is this, is that according to what God just told the children of Israel, they were dreaming, and same thing with us. A person's dreaming when they think they can know God and not seek him. Think about the verse again in verse number 13, a promise from God. He says, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Listen, we're living in a society today of having a form of godliness, but what? Can I just tell you, you can have all the form you want, but still not know God. You can go to church every day of your life, still not know God. There is something about a person getting in the book, asking God to speak to them and seeking him with all their heart. There's something about a person not making a, a, a decision of life, but doing what Proverbs 3, 5 says, in all thy ways, and he shall direct thy paths. Can I tell you, it's, it's, it's crazy that people think that they can have a form of Christianity, but really not find God, not know God. So again, what, were they, what was God telling them? Well, listen, you can think all you want in Babylon, but you're not going back to Jerusalem until, first of all, you seek me with all your heart. Now, church, I, mean, I can't be bold about this statement, but it gives the idea that it took them 70 years to figure out, I think we better start seeking God. And I know God put them into captivity for 70 years, and I know it was because of what they were doing in Jerusalem, and I also know that God, he, that's God's timeline, but in this context of saying it's going to be 70 years, that he immediately says, if you would just seek me, you'd find me. Listen, how many times have you heard from the pulpit how important it is to have a walk with God and to spend time in his word? And I am so thankful of people that will send me a text or give me a call and say, man, I tell you what, I just started reading this particular passage. The Lord gave me something today. Or I started to have my devotions on a regular basis. Can I just tell you, it's not about a routine of Bible reading. It's about a wanting to know God. It's about a wanting for God to speak to you. Hey, listen, he's real. He doesn't just talk to the pastor, the deacons, or Sunday school teachers. He talks to those who seek him. How do you know that? Because he just promised, if you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. Jesus went over those things in the New Testament also. I think it was Sermon on the Mount, if I remember correctly. I think Matthew chapter 6. But you remember what Jesus said? He said in Matthew, he said also in Luke. He says, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be what? Seek and ye shall what? Knock and it shall be what? For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10. God says, if you'll make the first step, guess what? I'll, I'll, I'll do it for you. I know I've said it a thousand times, but I want to just tell you, you just can't get away from the promise. Draw nigh to God. It's a promise. And by the way, that promise is not, is not stipulated by whether or not you're an adult or saved for X amount of years. 
Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. That means the youngest person in here, if they had a desire to know God, God said, I'll let you know me. Proverbs 18.1 says, through desire, man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. You can't intermeddle until you seek. You cannot know God until you seek him. So I'm just telling you that God was telling, I think, what God was trying to tell these people here is you're dreaming if you think that you can know me and not seek me. You're dreaming. You got to seek him. You got to seek him. You know, I want to tell you, our problems in our Christianity is not about how we were raised or when we got saved. Our problems with our faith is that we don't practice it. You can carry a Bible, you can wear a tie to church, you can have your hair cut just right, you can have all the standards, you can be separated from the world. But I want to tell you something. Unless you, you have a relationship with God, and I know that relationship starts with salvation, but when I talk about relationship, I'm talking about fellowship. But if you have that fellowship and communication with God, that's what causes God to guide you, direct you, bless you, show you. But it causes from you seeking Him. That's, how, that's where it starts, just seeking God. Do you seek Him on a regular basis? I like Proverbs chapter 2. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 2, he just says, basically, he says, listen, uh, uh, I'm just trying to get to verse number three, but as far as seeking, if you seek him as silver and search for him with all your heart, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. How do you find the knowledge of God? Amen. Seek him. All right, so again, that's what he says. So it's not going to happen without it. You're dreaming if you think it will. Look at the next one he says here, all right? Not only does he say you're dreaming if you think you can know God and not seek him, but look down in your Bible. Let's pick it up in verse number, um, oh, let's pick it up in verse 16. Verse 16. Here's what he says. Now remember verse 15 he says, because ye have said, talking about those that were in Babylon, because ye have said that the Lord hath raised us up prophets in Babylon. Now by the way, God did not raise them up prophets in Babylon. God's prophet was back in Jerusalem. His name was Jeremiah. That's why he was sending a letter there. All right. But look what he says in verse 16. Know that thus saith the Lord of the king that sitteth upon the throne of David. Now that's a little k king. He's talking about Zedekiah when he says, know that thus saith the Lord of the king. So God's speaking about the king that's sitting in Jerusalem the king that sitteth on the throne of David, and of all the people that dwelleth in this city. Jeremiah is writing the letter from what city? Jerusalem. And of your brethren that are not gone forth with you into the captivity. Where did the captivity take them to? All right. Now, just before I read verse 17, make sure we got our heads uh, wrapped around where the, the story of what's going on here. What he's saying is this. Jeremiah is writing the letter from Jerusalem. He's writing to those that were in captive in Babylon. He says, now listen, the people that are in this city... In other words, in Jerusalem. Jeremiah's about to tell what's going to happen to them. All right, look what he says, verse 17. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send upon them, those in Jerusalem, upon them the sword and the famine and the pestilence, and will make them like, the, like vile figs that cannot be eaten. They are so evil. And I will persecute them with the sword and with the famine and with the pestilence, and will deliver them to be removed to all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse and an astonishment and a hissing and a reproach among all the nations whither I have driven them. What's the first word in verse 19? So why is God going to cause the famine and the cursing and the punishment and all this? Because they have not hearkened to my word, saith the Lord, which I sent unto them, by my servants the prophets, rising up early and sending them, but ye would not hear, saith the Lord. Now, again, in context of this idea of verse number 8, these dreams that you've caused to be dreaming, they were dreaming to think they could know God and not seek Him, but they were also dreaming 
to think that they could sin and not get punished for it. Now think about this for a second here. In verse number four, he talks about this group over here being in captivity in Babylon. The reason you're in captivity already is because you were in Jerusalem not doing what God told you to do. You've got Jeremiah who's writing this letter from Jerusalem to Babylon and he's telling those folks over here, I'm just letting you know over here, these guys over here, they're going to get punished also. And you know how they're going to get punished? They're not going to make it to Babylon. They're going to die by the famine. They're going to die by the sword. They're going to be sent to all the different kingdoms of the earth because they're not doing right. Yeah, they were dreaming. They thought that in two years they'd all be back together like one big happy family. But God says, you're dreaming. You know why you're dreaming? Because I cannot let sin go unpunished. Hey, if you've got a family at all, you know that when it comes to family, or children, I should say, when it comes to children, especially as they get older, we spank our children when they do wrong. All right? All right? Y'all doing okay? Say amen. amen. Why do we spank our children? Because we hate them. What do you think we spank our children for? We spank our children because we love them. Am I correct on that? Amen. Paris 13, 24, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Means early, many, betimes. Paris chapter 3, verse number 11 and 12. My son despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be aware of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the father the son in whom he delighteth. Why does God punish us? Because he loves us. I like Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. That's what God said. Then you go right into verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him, he with me. What is he trying to say? I love you so much and I want to have fellowship and a relationship with you. But sometimes I have to discipline you in order to have that fellowship and relationship. When we have children and our children are growing up, our children don't tremble when they see us, but they know, hey, listen, if I do wrong, the hammer's coming down. And that's just a, word, a figure of speech. But we know that I'm, I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to be corrected. I'm going to be spanked. And by the way, spanking is biblical. Amen. All right? Amen. It's biblical. Right. Hey, listen, when the kids are small, I know that you're seemingly thinking, I'm spanking this kid all the time. And you probably are. But you should. All right, but let me give you light at the end of the tunnel. The older that you get, the less you have to spank. All right? But I want to tell you something. Brother Samuel, what's your youngest? Well, it's, um, you got a baby. Four months. Uh, what's the next one? Is Katie around? <laughs> one, three, and four? Okay. All right. Is that Wyatt? He's four? You ever have to spank him? Wyatt, you ever get to spank him? Do you like spankings? No. Do you know why your daddy spanks you? No. Your dad spanks you because he loves you. No, it's hard. He loves you. If your daddy didn't spank you, that means he didn't love you. He loves you. You saved tonight, say amen. amen. Then your daddy spanks you because he loves you. I want to tell you something. I'd much rather get a spanking at a child's age from a dad with his paddle than get a spanking by the Lord as an adult. Amen. You know, when you're a child and you get spanked, it hurts for a, short, for a few moments, and then you go on with life and everything is fine. When you're an adult and God has to spank you, sometimes it has some lingering effects. These guys were dreaming. We're going to go back and be in Jerusalem in two years because the prophets that are over here said we're going to do that. And Jeremiah writes a letter and says, I just want you to know you're dreaming. 
You cannot sin against God and think God's not going to punish you for your sin. Listen, I don't know if there's somebody in here tonight that you've been getting away, you think, with your sin for a while. In other words, you're doing things you know is not right with God, and they're probably secret sins. Hopefully you're not so ungodly that you do presumptuous sins. In other words, presumptuous, you don't care what anybody thinks. You're going to live your life just the way you want to do it. And by the way, you keep doing that. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes because presumptuous sins was the worst type of sin mentioned in the scripture, and God brought God spanked heavily for presumptuous. In fact, God killed people for presumptuous sins. We as Christians are more known for secret sins, things that I do that nobody else knows about, things that I see, things that I watch, things that I do, things that I say that, that the crowd would not know because I would be disgraced as a Christian because I know I shouldn't be doing those things, so I don't do them publicly, I do them privately. I just want you to know Yes, right now, nobody else knows about what you're doing, but there's a God in heaven that does know what you're doing, and there ought to be some conviction of the Holy Spirit because you're a child of God, that you ask God's forgiveness and get right with God before God has to punish you. Do not be like the children of Israel and dream these dreams that think everything is just going to be fine. You cannot continue to live in sin and God not punish you. You're dreaming. You're dreaming if you think you can know God and not seek him. Oh, it's not that important for me to read my Bible. You're dreaming. I can get enough of the Bible at church. You're dreaming. Oh, I can live my life. It doesn't matter. People don't know what I'm doing wrong. It only affects me. You're dreaming. Can I just tell you something? I did finally wake up this morning. The first time I looked at my alarm clock after struggling in my mind, you can't wake up, can't wake up, don't wake up. We got to find this picture. Don't wake up. We got to find the guy who, who just shot my friend. I can't let this happen. And then finally, I, I, my eyeballs opened enough to see the clock. And I said to myself, this is a dream. I could not believe it. I, it was a letdown. I thought, I'm going to find this picture. I'm going to find this guy who shot my friend. I, I, was, I was so excited that I knew what the person looked like. I just had to keep going through all these different pictures until I came across the right picture to be able to get this guy arrested. And then finally my eyes opened and I'm thinking, this was a dream? I want to tell you something. As a Christian, you're going to keep living your Christian life of, of not spending time with God and keep living your life of sin. And one of these days, your eyes are going to open and you're going to figure out, I was dreaming. God does punish sin. I was dreaming. I've wasted so many years that I could have got close to him and had his blessing upon my life, and I never had it because I just, I, I, I was wrong. I was just dreaming. Quick, can I say one more thing here? It's kind of interesting. You got your Bible there? Look at verse, uh, jump down to verse number 20. I'm kind of skipping through a little bit because of time. Verse 20, hear therefore the word of the Lord. Jeremiah still writes his letter, all ye, the, all ye of the captivity whom I, have, uh, whom I have sent from Jerusalem to Babylon. It's kind of interesting. He tells a short story in verses 21 through 23 of two fellows, one named Ahab, the other guy named Zedekiah. These were prophets that were in Babylon. Verse 21, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, of Ahab, the son of Coliah, and of Zedekiah, the son of Messiah, which prophesy a lie unto you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall slay them before your eyes. And of them shall be taken up a curse by all the captivity of Judah, which are in Babylon, saying, The Lord make thee like Zedekiah and like Ahab, whom the king of Babylon did what to? Hey, how do you like that? There were two prophets that were in Babylon, and they kept 
passing this lie around that we're not going to stay here, we're going to go back. And by the way, if you're taken into captivity and you're in Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar hears about somebody telling, every, stirring up everybody else saying, hey, you get to go home. What do you think Nebuchadnezzar is going to do? Have a hot dog roast. That's what he's going to have. So he burned those two prophets up and said, hey, listen, you're not going to be spreading this kind of rebellion among the people because they're not going anywhere. Look what he says next. Now, that's the one story. That's about the two prophets. They were prophesying line. Verse 24. Thus shalt thou also speak to, what's his name? Shemaiah, the Nehemite, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Because thou hast sent letters in, the name, uh, in thy name unto all the people that are at where? All right, now, let's stop just so we understand what's going on here. There is a prophet in Babylon, and his name was? Shemaiah. And he sends a letter to where? All right, so it's going backwards now. So he sends a letter to Jerusalem. What, is, what does this guy say in, in Jerusalem? <clears throat> he says, uh, Because thou hast sent letters to, in thy name unto all the people that are at Jerusalem, and to Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, the priest, and to all the priests, saying. All right, so what did Shemaiah say to the priest in, in Jerusalem? Verse 27, The Lord hath made thee priest in the stead of Jehoiada the priest, that ye should be officers in the house of the Lord, for every man that is mad and maketh himself a prophet, that thou shouldest put him in prison and in the stocks. Who do you think Shemaiah is talking about? Who do you think Shemaiah is writing this letter and he sends it to Jerusalem and it brings it to these priests that are over here in Jerusalem? He says, hey, you're the priest. You're the man of God. You're the priest after the order of Jehoiada. In other words, you're the, you're, you're guy, you're the guys with the authority. And since you they have the authority, you ought to stop these madmen who make themselves prophets. Who do you think he's writing about? Look at the next verse. <clears throat> he says in verse 27, now, where, now therefore, why hast thou not reproved, what's his name? Jeremiah of Anathoth, which maketh himself a prophet to you. For therefore he sent unto us in Babylon, saying, this captivity is long. Build ye houses and dwell on them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. And Zephaniah the priest read this letter in the ears of who? <laughs> so he's writing a letter. Shemaiah is writing a letter from Babylon, sending it to Jerusalem. He sends it to, to uh, Zephaniah, the priest. And Zephaniah now tells the letter to Jeremiah. Look what Jeremiah says. What's the first word in verse 30? Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Send all of them of the captivity. In other words, write another letter, Jeremiah. Send another letter to Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord concerning Shemaiah, the Nehemiah, because that Shemaiah hath prophesied unto you, and I sent him not, and he caused you to what? Therefore, trust in the light, therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will punish Shemaiah, the Nehemite, and his seed, and he shall not have a man to dwell among his people. Neither shall he behold the good that I will do for my people, saith the Lord, because he hath taught what? Rebellion against the Lord. All right? Now, Shemaiah, I think you got the story correctly, and so I'm going to give this last, last, last thought. Shemaiah is a prophet in Babylon. He's in the captivity. He's telling everybody, in two years, we're going to go back. And he gets this letter from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says, just telling you something. You're going to be here for 70 years. Stop dreaming dreams that you're causing to be dreamed because they're not going to happen. So Shemaiah writes a letter. He sends it back to Jerusalem. And his letter comes over to Jerusalem. And the priest gets it over here. And he says, hey, listen, you priests that are in charge over there, stop that madman. Stop letting Jeremiah send letters to us telling us we gotta, we're going to be here for 70 years. And so then God says, hey, Jeremiah, send the letter back over to Babylon. He comes back over to Babylon, and he gets the letter over here, and he says, Shemaiah, I just want you to know, 
all of your seed's going to die. Your children aren't going to live. And you're not going to be able to, talk to Shemai, you're not even going to see the goodness of the God, what God's going to do for this people at the end of 70 years, because you're not going to be around. You've been teaching rebellion against the Lord. Uh, Shemai, can I tell you? You're dreaming when you think God's word's not true. You're dreaming. When Jeremiah sent the first letter and he said, build houses, plant gardens, pray for the peace of Babylon, Mary, that wasn't from Jeremiah. Who told him to tell him that? God. Do we have any prophets living today that speak, uh, I'm going to use the Catholic term, ex cathedral, where they speak in the place of God? Do we have that anymore? No. What do we have in the completed form that is what we call the Word of God? What? It's the Bible, right? God, we have the completed word of God. But you see, when you look at the, in the scriptures, a prophet was a person who spoke in the place of God because the word of God was not completely written then. Does that make sense? So when Shemaiah said, tell Jeremiah to stop writing, we're tired of his letters. Can I just tell you something? You can't stop God's word from being true. Were they in captivity for 70 years or two years? I guess God's word came true then. Let God be true and every, every. That means if a Baptist preacher tells you something contrary to that book right there, let every man be a liar. You know, if my kids outlive me, if God tarries, if my kids outlive me and I die and go to the grave, if the only thing they have to hold on to is the book they hold in their hand, Instead of the things that I tell them, they're holding on to something that will never change and will last eternity. God's word. God's word. I like what the proverb says. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. And there's not. God's word is true. Satan's always been attacking it. He's been attacking it since the Garden of Eden. Half God said, that's what he told Eve. And Satan has constantly attacked the word of God. And I'm just telling you, let God be true and every man a liar. And his words going to continue to be true. And I want to tell you, in this, in this politically correct world, to where we've got to be careful as far as we're supposed to be careful about what we say, if a person has a book called the Bible in their hand, just tell them what God said. Let's see them arrest him. <laughs> you know, I was so glad this morning when I finally got the reality that everything was a dream. But it took me a few minutes to shake it off because it was so real to me. My friend getting shot, me frantically going through pictures on an iPad to try to find the killer. But when I finally got the reality, this was just a dream. I felt better. You know, if we as Christians would live in the reality of our spirituality, you'd feel a whole lot better. Instead of this philosophy of the world, this carnality of Christianity, if we would just simply obey the word of God, because I want to tell you, it's not going to change. And it's true. I like Hebrews chapter 6 where it says, it is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible. 
It's impossible. Jeremiah's letter. <laughs> if I was to title his letter, that's what I would title it. You're dreaming. And so many times we as Christians do the same thing. Listen, you cannot know God unless you seek him. You cannot sin and not get punished. And there's no way God's word is not going to be true. Would you mind if I can close your eyes tonight for a moment?